0: Welcome back to Night School, episode 17, Song of Myself, part 15. And back with me is my esteemed colleague, Mr. Wesley Welcome back, Mr. Wesley
1: Good to be back. Good to be back. We're moving ahead here. We're steamrolling through this right now.
0: I think, uh, you know, I'm hoping that when we're old and looking back on our very successful career doing essentially this, that uh, we just, we marvel at the pace we went at and are like, man, look at those impetuous young turps. Just <laughs> trying to take over that education space, just commenting on everything, like they know anything. And, okay. but you know, if we don't marvel at our wisdom at this age, we will marvel at our audacity.
1: There we go. like well, I think it's very fitting for this poem, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, if he's going to sing a song of himself, and he's and that's going to be the archetypal American poem, then we need, you know, Lewis and Merriweather to chart that territory again, take it back into ourselves because we're something fantastic and we're about to see something some one of the finest aspects of that which is already fine and of its
1: nature. Well, what? so I
0: guess I get the I get the evens, huh? Your turn. On to 40. Flaunt of the sunshine, I need not your basque lie over. Light surfaces only, I force surfaces, and depths also. Earth, you seem to look for something at my hand. Sail, topknot, what do you want? Man or woman, I might tell how I like you, but cannot, and might tell what it is in me, and what it is in you, but cannot, and might tell that pining I have, that pulse of my nights and days. Behold, I do not give lectures, or a little charity, when I give, I give myself. You there, impotent, loose in the knees, open your scarf chops till I blow grit within you. Spread your palms and lift the flaps of your pockets. I am not to be denied, I compel. I have stores plenty and to spare, and anything I have, I bestow. I do not ask who you are. That is not important to me. You can do nothing and be nothing, but what I will enfold you. To cottonfield drudge or cleaner of privies, I lean on his right cheek, I put the family kiss, and in my soul, I swear I never will deny him. On women fit for conception, I start bigger and nimbler babes. This day, I'm jetting the stuff of far more arrogant republics. To anyone dying, thither I speed and twist the knob of the door. Turn the bedclothes towards the foot of the bed. Let the physician and the priest go home. I seize the descending man and raise him with resistless will. O despairer, here is my neck. By God, you shall not go down. Hang your whole weight upon me. I dilate you with tremendous breath. I buoy you up. Every room of the house do I fill with an armed force. Lovers of me, bafflers of graves, sleep. I and they keep guard all night, not doubt. Not decease shall dare to lay finger upon you. I have embraced you and henceforth possess you to myself. And when you rise in the morning, We'll find what I tell you is so.
1: I like it. The jaunty and the sassy uh, reading. And I think it's, again, yeah, very fitting for this part 40. Um, Right? Because he starts by challenging the sunshine for its flaunt and, and bask. Right? And he says he can not only light up the surface, but also the depth. Uh, he, can, he confronts the earth, right, and taunts it with a nickname that I find pretty amusing, Old Topknot, what do you want? <laughs> uh, and, then, and then he turns to people, and that's pretty much, I guess, the rest of this is about people, and then I guess until the very end maybe with sleep, uh, if he's addressing sleep there possibly. But so um, he's going to sort of demonstrate the fullness of his powers that he has has gathered at this point and uh he says the things that he can't do first right but then he uh gives himself right so this kind of um incredible generosity this total self uh squandering i guess is the word i want to use here right so he's just like B- blowing i it's like an inspiration, inspiration inspiration image of him actually breathing in um to the the impotent person and to the women uh fit for conception so he's going to give them a an conception right an idea uh which is the other meaning of that but um he's <laughs> he's like building up an army right uh within his uh his readers he's he's filling them with ideas which are going to be um arrogant as he says but also loving apparently because it's it's along with the blowing air imagery he's also giving these kisses out you know he's giving well as he says himself um that's the poem right the song of myself and uh, yeah just the just the very last part here though is the part i was i was pretty curious about was the uh the, the last stanza there about about sleep um that now he is one of the guard keepers right he, he was sort of scolding all the keepers of guard before and and so now he um talks about himself as like a successful sentinel like he's he's giving you something that's gonna keep you Safe and get and give you strength and make you, you know, formidable out there in the world. And and you're going to know this experientially. He claims. Yeah.
0: yeah. 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 And I wonder to what extent. Just to go back to one of the points you made just before that, and then I want to consider that fully what sleep is doing there, and maybe its epic function, <clears throat> and how it works in the Iliad and in Dante. Um, hypnos is the Greek word. For it, where where we get hypnosis from, but to what extent you think Whitman is uh, uh, being cosmopoetic or mythopoetic? He's creating a world, is what that those terms together mean. Cosmopoetic, Um, and uh, that's what an epic uh, poet does. Uh, So you know Homer creates the world of the Iliad. You know that ancient Greek mythological world before even ancient Greece was a place. Uh, with Athens and Sparta. There were Athenians and Spartans, but not in the city-state sense that we knew them. Uh, more, They were more like tribes at that time. And, uh, uh, you know, it was ununified Greece. And so um, Virgil does the same thing with Foundations of Rome, and Dante does the same way with, like, the Kingdom of Heaven and, you know, Purgatory and Hell. And so what they do is embody the mythological past through their then-current great perspective which involves the learning of that day and also often the sophistication of one of the high cultures, but sometimes also in the common tongue in the case of Virgil and and frankly Homer as well. And and certainly Dante who essentially created Italian from a Tuscan dialect. Um, And so what Whitman is doing is showing us the breadth of his American experience, but also the personality that comes to bear on it. Like you said, I read him jauntily and sort of sassily And he seems to be sort of playful and, like you said, arrogant, too. And also sort of like childish in that he'll make these giant claims and then he'll back off them and be all vulnerable and then come right back to them. And uh, that he's sort of like the embodiment of an American perspective Uh, and also that which uh, one can experience in America and thus is like trying to represent the fullness of the spirit and the individual character of the uh the
1: country as a phenomenon oh yeah i like that idea that this this mythopoesis of his is is um sort of attuned to the american spirit in some way and the uh when you use that word uh, mythopoeia it makes me think of um tolkien as well so not just the the ancient classical myths but of course uh one other modern myth maker who's, who's very widely studied and there's a lot of interest in him these days is J.R.R. R. Tolkien, and he has a poem called Mythopoeia, in which he sort of explores the idea of the like validity of, of doing myth, essentially. Uh, it's a great, it would be a great thing to read at some point. Um, and I I hesitate to say this, but I know that there is a, uh, a preface that Whitman writes, and I don't know in how many versions it exists, whether it's like this poem, something he worked on for a long time, or whether there's just kind of a, a single version out there, but there's a preface to, um, to Leaves of Grass that is um, probably worth reading as well. Maybe we don't have to read that one out loud and like go line by line with it, since it's not strictly speaking poetry okay. um, it's prose. But it would, I think, it would be a good thing to look at um, before we move on from Whitman, or or if we move on, then to come back to it at some point. His his preface uh, to Leaves of Grass is um, is you know it's like there's there's the mythopoeia that happens in the course of the poem itself, but then also the the one that he sort of is doing reflecting on what he's you know what he's created there. So
0: yeah. Yeah, and we can apply the Nietzschean maxim that the artist that comments on his art is not the same as the one who is creating the art. And that actually makes perfect sense procedurally speaking, right? Like you can put thousands and thousands of hours into becoming an artist and, you know, put, you know, some minutes and maybe some hours into, you know, art interpretation. And so it's never true that the artist has the best idea of, or, or the best analysis of his own art. He might have a good idea of the intention behind it, of the purpose of it, um, but it it would be very, I think, rare that the, the artist, and I'm looking forward to seeing whether this is true or not, that the artist would, would have um, the most profound or the deepest analysis or insight into his own work. I think that takes another perspective.
1: Um, yeah. Well, I think um, it goes along, too, though, with the... Uh The point about sleep right about that being the chance to well that's sort of your unconscious mind sort of reflecting on the day's events to 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 help you make sense of them and sort of like process what's going on and maybe see some solutions that you otherwise wouldn't have access to
0: you know that's so interesting too because uh, you know the unions who I often bring up they talk about this concept of synchronicity which is where you're you're especially focused on a certain concept or thing like a a number that you keep seeing, and then you see it everywhere. And I think everybody knows about this sort of experience. Not exactly deja vu, but like, you keep seeing 333 everywhere you look, or you keep seeing like a right yellow shoe, or something like that. And it's funny, sleep here, not only have I recently taught about sleep in the context of Hera and Zeus's coupling in book 15 of the Iliad, but also Dante's been falling asleep a whole bunch in the purgatorio and uh, the students are writing currently about the function of rest in the purgatorio. And it's essentially so that (laughs) the souls can reflect at night in order to refine and improve on uh, their actions during the day so that they can accomplish their goals quicker. And I'm having them make connections to reality. I'm like, is this how you get better at anything (laughs) and accomplish any goal? And so, it's interesting, it is interesting to what extent even invoking sleep is not only invoking an epic um, condition, but a universal one, as if this is a claim to some sort of universal um, maxim, or even though it has a particular lens, there's a universal principle underlying it, or several.
1: Yeah, and it's very interesting that he, on the one hand, seizes the descending man and says, right, by God, you shall not go down, right? He's going to lift this person up. On the other hand, he's going to let them, you know, sleep and maybe even sleep with them in some sense here at at the end. And that's like, that's acceptable. That's like consonant with his seizing and lifting you up is letting you go to sleep. Like those are not strictly speaking um, like opposed here. And so it, it gives me, you know, that going down image is, I think, very, very rich. But for him, like going down into the unconscious or whatever you want to, you know, sort of mythologically describe that as is, is also like being raised up. That's the sense that I'm getting here. That's, well, that's mean, you being fired.
0: That's excellent. I like that because to anyone dying, so we have that low foot of the bed imagery But the physician and priest go home. It's like my girlfriend and me. And, uh, <laughs> and but, then, but then you get this extremely Christian imagery of essentially being thrown on the cross, right, by God, after this vocative, oh, despair, with no age, highly biblical, King James, you shall not go down, hang your whole weight upon me. And I think that is sort of the idea of the cross, right, that even when your body dies, the principle remains that you embodied. And it grows like a seed out from the ground. And that's why you're buried there, too. And it, it is the cross that marks you. Um, but that it, there's some comment here about what is that edifice for him? For the Romans, it's the state. The Christians, it's the church. But what is, what is the cross on which we hang ourselves? Is he saying that it's America? and everything that makes it America, not the laws uh, or a specific set of beliefs, but everything or, or the spirit that that embodies. And I'm not sure if it's a unified spirit either.
1: I I get the sense. Yeah. That he is right. So he, he contrasts himself with the physician and the priest. He says he's begetting arrogant republics, right? So I'm not convinced that it's not the state, but that he, he definitely has a very different image of what the state is supposed to be yeah, for, for his yeah. uh, his kids that he wants to beget here.
0: Well, he barely mentions it, right?
1: Yeah, <laughs> he's it's not true.
0: talking about courthouses or politicians' offices or the White House at all, really. He's talking about like mountains and rivers and Native Americans and slaves and uh-huh. like children and like sailors and like military men. I mean, uh, they are an embodiment of the state but war 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 goes is far older than the state mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. even older than humans so please um and uh, so that's that's just a far deeper experience um but yeah all
1: right well let's I, I think we'll have a better idea as we go along but i do that's a great question to continue well okay here we go 41 you ready
0: yeah oh yeah
1: I am he bringing help for the sick as they pant on their backs, and for strong bright men I bring yet more needed help. I heard what was said of the universe, heard it and heard it of several thousand years. Is it middling well as far as it goes? But is is that all? Magnifying and applying come I, outbidding at the start, the old cautious hucksters, taking myself the exact dimensions of Jehovah, lithographing Kronos, Zeus his son, and Hercules his grandson, buying drafts of Osiris, Isis, Belus, Brahma, Buddha, in my portfolio, placing Manitou loose, Allah on a leaf, the crucifix engraved with Odin and the hideous face, Mixitli and every idol and image, taking them all for what they are worth and not a cent more. Admitting they were alive and did the work of their days, they bore mites for unpledged birds who have now to rise and fly and sing for themselves. Accepting the rough, deific sketches to fill out better in myself, bestowing them freely on each man and woman I see, discovering as much or more in a frame or framing a house, putting higher claims for him there with his rolled up sleeves, driving the mallet and chisel not objecting to special revelations, considering a churl, sorry, considering a curl of smoke or a hair on the back of my hand, just as curious as any revelation. Lads a hold of fire engines and hook and ladder ropes, no less to me than the gods of the antique wars, minding their voices peel through the crash of destruction, their brawny limbs passing safe over charred laths, their white foreheads whole and unhurt out of the flames, by the mechanic's wife with her babe at her nipple interceding for every person born, three sides at harvest whizzing in a row from three lusty angels with shirts bagged out at their waists, the snag-toothed hostler with red hair redeeming sins past and to come, selling all he possesses, traveling on foot to fee lawyers for his brother and sit by him while he is tried for forgery. What was strewn in the amplis, strewing the square rod about me and not filling the square rod then, the bull and the bug never worshipped half enough, dung and dirt more admirable than was dreamed, the supernatural of no account, myself waiting my time to be one of the Supremes, the day getting ready for me when I shall do as much good as the best and be as prodigious, by my life lumps, becoming already a creator, putting myself here and now to the ambushed womb of the shadows.
0: All right. Well, just to get a couple things out there immediately, he's making uh, a, a range known of topics he could consider. Um, you know, the high and mighty gods, as is the traditional epic convention, uh, Milton, Dante, Virgil, Homer, all the other ones who are of less importance, um, which is why you don't know them. <laughs> uh, uh and all the way down to the bugs and nothing else uh or excuse me the bugs and the natural and that which is at the other extreme he can talk about whatever he wants and in fact it seems as if especially in these last lines he is he is suggesting he's really feeling the weight of being at part 41 of this poem that he's getting closer to the end that now it's it's time for him to sort of, he's past his adolescence, his questioning, his doubting period. It's time to, for him to take the reins, horse metaphor there, um, which is interesting because I recently taught the, or I am teaching tomorrow the whips and bridles one in the Purgatorio. And so whenever we, you take control of something, you seem to use horse metaphors as a, an English speaking American. You're going to take the reins. You know, you're going to grasp hold of it. You know. You're going to bear down. Uh, interesting. Well, in any case, he's now sort of feeling the, uh, the pleasure of becoming a creator of a great poet, poet. Yeah. But by my life lumps, he says at the end, becoming already a creator, putting myself here and now to the ambushed womb of the shadows. I, I strike that, that strikes me to be the unconscious or the sort of like poetic underworld from which, you know, inspiration is born out from or, or the truth about the future, which the person who returns from the underworld has to uh, either convey or usually live out or embody. So, you know, they go into the underworld, they take on an old role like king or philosopher, and then they embody it in the world again. And I wonder to what extent this is Whitman sort of, again, tour de force showing that. he's. I mean, even in the third stanza, the first thing he says is magnifying, And then, you know, he talks about the the jewish christian god talks about the greek gods he talks about the uh the egyptian gods manito uh is that the manichaean god i don't know
1: that's a native american one
0: native american there we go there's a gap there's a gap for me and allah uh the islamic god the crucifix engraved i suppose that could be christian or any of the abrahamic faiths the norse religion here Mexitli, I don't know if that is a I don't know Mexican god that, I only know yeah, because right. I only suggest because of Mex, um as a prefix uh, you know these are all things that we could look up if we really wanted to focus on this aspect of this poem and you could write a good paper about that I, I imagine and so but these are written in parallel to things like framer frame in a house the mallet and the chisel which in if you look at these these are also uh expressions that tie back to gods like Hephaestus or not objecting to special revelations like Apollo or or again Jesus or fire engines again Hephaestus the god of fire hook and ladder ropes no less to me than gods of the wars, and he even makes that connection too it's like these gods were used to convey real experiences in the language of that time and so now he's going to do the same thing with the language of this time but he wants us to see the connection between what he's doing and what they used to do, because it's the same form with a different matter.
1: Yeah, yeah and I, I love the way that he takes this on head, like, head on. He, he just says, right, he's going to magnify and apply. I, I love that line um, as a kind of description of what he's doing, because that's kind of what we've been trying to do throughout the poem as well. So I feel yes. like kind of validated here. By trying to make all these different kinds of connections and um and reading into things in the way we've been doing, I think he's a little tongue in cheek here because he is you know borderline um uh like uh, i don't know he's not he's not super uh reverent we'll he's say pretty blithe pretty blithe yeah. yeah yeah and but at the same time you know he is making use of um of very profound religious significance uh, when he says that the, you know, compares the mechanic's wife with the babe at her nipple to, to the Virgin Mary right, and the Christ child interceding for every person born. Um, and it's, I think it's, it's gotta be at least partly, you know, serious that this is like the feeling he has. This is the mystic um, special revelation that he's getting as he's as he's writing this um because right he as as he's been doing throughout this he's connecting himself and the poem he's connecting himself in the poem to the readers and wanting to like inspire them with the kind of significance that he he seems to feel pulsing through him as he goes along Um, he can't on the one hand, take that too seriously, right? Because then he sets himself up as the kind of uh, academic that he doesn't by any means want to be. On the other hand, he can't totally, um, hold it up to mockery, right? But far from it, he's, he's saying there's an inherent like decency to all of these things and to the lowest, maybe even more than the, the ones that are normally considered the highest. I, uh, I only know about Manito. uh, just because there's a Manitou Park near where I live.
0: Oh yeah. Uh,
1: and it's it's the it's one of the words at least from some language. I don't think it's a local language, but um I could be wrong for, for like the, the great spirit, you know. And um I I don't know anything about Mexitli other than it sounds like it's gotta be an Aztec word and it's got the root for Mexico in it, so it's I think that's a pretty good guess.
0: Yeah, and it's just He does get serious with his biblical imagery, with, you know, the mechanic's wife with her babe at her nipple, sort of a Christ or being born image, right next to an image of death, three sides at the harvest. That's the grim reaper, right? The great harvest. Uh, You reap what you sow. In a row from three lusty angels with shirts bagged out at their waists. as if here, he's indicating that he's going to die and this is going to be his contribution. Right. While well, also, you know, again, making that parallel between being born and dying and the whole range of that, which is in between, just in these two lines next to each other. Um, but that also, to some extent, he is reaping what he's sowing here. This is him sowing. This is him swinging his, his scythe to the wind. And this, this is the wind that has come out from him, the effect of him, these words that we are now you know, re- re-reading and re-embodying, bringing back to life, reanimating. There we are. Uh, uh, whether they be about Kronos or Jehovah or dung and dirt. Um, or whatever a life lump is. <laughs>
1: yeah, right.
0: I, I suppose the lump you take during the course of your life.
1: That's what I was thinking too, yeah. But it could also just be like, you know, the meat of his body essentially, right? Like, oh. That's, you know, the, the incarnation again, though, right? So, yeah. You know, and his just, apotheosis going on.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, do, I do agree with you that, and also feel very justified in our endeavor when he talks about what he could be doing with this poem, that he could be bringing all these other gods and such into it. And it's like, that is what we have been doing, bringing those connections alive in the rest of his poetry so it is it is nice to see that he is admitting what he has been doing and that he could have done it in a different way and that we've sort of been accompanying what he he has been doing with a commentary of um uh you know the broad intention and the intentionality behind uh the words that he chooses and the way that he he structures them together uh you know trying to elucidate the entirety or more of the entirety of the meaning of the the work of art.
1: Well, it's, it is certainly prodigious. I think that's the, that's the word here. It sums it up for me. Yeah. I, I wanted to point out, Oh, the, uh, the snag toothed hostler with red hair sins past and to come selling all he possesses uh, That. That part right there, uh, just, it's such a mixture, again, of the, um, the, the reverent, the uh, elusive, that is like alluding to um, biblical imagery, and the, <laughs> I, I don't know, the totally everyday, right, to, to pay these lawyers while his brother is tried for forgery. There's just, there's so much there. I I would love to know that the story behind that, that, that couplet there.
0: Yeah, no, that's us. That is a story in of itself. And well, just before we go, I'd like to let the listeners know that, uh, we at the Alexander Schmidt podcast received our first ever donation today. And it, is the highest level of donation that you can actually receive on Anchor, and it was from Ms. Wesley Shantz, my colleague here, so thank you, uh, Wes. It's, uh, it feels good to be funded, to be a pro at this now.
1: I, yeah, I, I hope that it helps um, improve the, the Zoom capabilities that we're yes. working off of here and, uh, you know, makes that a little more stable, although I think partly That's just down to my internet once in a while, not behaving properly, I'm not sure, or my device. But, you know, we're always sort of like trying to add to our hardware and our software and our organization. And in the meantime, just to keep, you know, getting to do this is like a great, it's a great uh, endeavor.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, it's interesting to what extent as we continue to, to broaden the endeavor. That, um, you know, with additional funding, which we can, we can, uh, depending on how we do it, we can, you know, outline exactly where it goes so that people know exactly what they're contributing to. And I think that's something that's important to people and is, you know, part of the whole idea behind creating something. People like it and they want it to get better and they want to help make that happen. That's a good thing.
1: Yeah. I I I really look forward to seeing how this develops and um I'd like to hear more thoughts from people as well I and mean, you don't have to give money you can also send you know a comment uh give us like a rating or whatever on whatever app you listen to this from and um share your thoughts.
0: Yeah, we really appreciate it. and you know we're not above it at all. We're <laughs> we're we're just like you. Um and so you know, this is just what we do. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. We lo- we're looking forward to what's coming. A lot of good stuff has been coming around lately. And uh, we'll get more specific and uh, articulate clearer what it is we're asking for and what we're, we intend to produce in the near future. And uh, once we've done that, then we can let you all know how you can very specifically help.
1: All right. Well, for now, uh, call it a night.
0: All right, sounds good to me, bye.
1: Thanks again. You
0: too.